1: Welcome in to Sports Talk. It's a Thursday, just in case you didn't know what day of the week it was. And this time of year, I do have to double-check myself. So I'll remind you it's Thursday, and I'll also let you know that my name is Scott Beatty, and I am joined by Lauren Tate, who's got a cup of Coke and some ice in it as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Could you hear that? I could hear that.
2: (laughs) I've been trying to stay away from it. Well, I've only got a half a bottle, so there.
1: Yeah, but if you keep I'm drink- trying to quit, <laughs> if you keep drinking that stuff, Lauren, it's going to kill you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Coming up on this Thursday, coach Q and A session with Nick Cortaro. We will get his thoughts on some key Big Ten games, especially as they all pertain to the Big Ten race. Of course, Illinois and Purdue on Saturday morning, but. Iowa and Wisconsin are nipping at their heels, and Minnesota is in it too, and they've got uh, Northwestern. So we will look at all those games coming up.
2: Some really interesting things about Senior Day and post-seniors coming back for basketball. Isn't this something? It is. Yes, before we get to football tomorrow night,
1: Illinois will play Kansas City in basketball. A couple of notable things about the game. First of all, Bruce Weber will be on hand. He's on the telecast.
2: Yep. He's gonna be on with you before the game, isn't he? Yeah, and you. He's gonna be on with me Saturday morning. Well, too.
1: and you'll be there for the pregame too. That's so, true. Yeah. So we'll we'll look forward to talking to Coach if we can get him for a few minutes before he has to go, you know, put on his makeup and all that. <laughs> um and then he'll be on with you Saturday morning. But also, yep, the the Big Ten championship will be celebrated and honored tomorrow night. They're gonna raise a banner. And give out rings. And several former Illini, now former Illini, it's hard to believe it wasn't that long ago that they were Illini, will be back on hand. Alfonso Plummer, he is playing in Mexico City for the G League. DeMonte Williams will be back. Kofi Coburn, he's been here all week. He's getting ready to go to Japan to play. And Trent Frazier coming back all the way from Serbia.
2: 13-hour flight. Now, that's dedication. Mm-hmm. That that means that, as Coach said today, they, those guys are invested. And when we look back on that win over Iowa, which was a great win, and it was a regular season win, and, and uh, when the tournament was over, everybody was upset because we didn't go further in the tournament. But, boy, it really means something to win that Big Ten, evidently, for these guys to come all this way back. That, that's That shows me something.
1: Well, we continue to have – uh, ourselves pulled in two directions in, in the world of college basketball because it's all about March. It's all about that the, the big dance. But you have done something significant if you have won your conference, especially yeah, in a big a, conference like the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of teams in there that want to win it too, Purdue and Michigan, and Michigan State, a lot of them.
1: And we talked to John Crispin earlier this week, and he said, you know, Jim Beheim made his comments. That the Big Ten was not good in in the NCAA tournament, and he's, and he's right. That, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. I'm not saying that you win your Big Ten, you win the Big Ten, and call it a day. You just you, you just want both, but this is not Absolutely. this is not a consolation prize. Is all I'm saying.
2: But in 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 the final analysis, the success in the regular season really helps you in the NCAA tournament because you get a better seed the higher you finish. <laughs> I mean, you'd rather be number one playing number sixteen than being number eight playing number nine. That's a little tougher. Usually works out that way. The game tomorrow night is at eight o'clock. It'll be on our
1: airwaves, of course. And uh, but by, by the way, the ball game will um, we will join up with the with the basketball coverage in progress here on News Talk fourteen hundred and ninety three nine FM. Illinois volleyball will be playing ahead of time. They have a six p.m. first serve at Michigan State. So, if you want all the pregame coverage with yours truly and you, Lauren, uh, head to our sister station, Light Rock 97.5. Volleyball will wrap up. It depends. It's usually, on average, two hours, maybe maybe a little more. So, Depending it might, on whether it's three sets or five. Yeah, so just <laughs> you can't predict when a volleyball match will end. But uh, whenever it's over, we'll join up with uh, Illinois men's basketball here on DWS. So you'll get the bulk of the game if you want both
2: here. There really been a lot thrown at us in the last two days with all the the signings and all the Canadians and all the <laughs> europeans and, and we got them those coming, Canadians
1: come at you fast don't, don't they
2: don't they and we got more Europeans coming at us uh, tomorrow night because I know one of the players from germany they they've got players from all over in fact they got a transfer from u i c Mitchell he played for the u i c team
1: they are very big according to Brad Underwood now Kansas City lost to a division 2 team i believe on monday Lincoln. night. Yeah. But they did give a game to LSU last night. Yeah,
2: that's 74-63. That's a good battle.
1: Yeah. And and i mean that's about how it should play out. you know, a power team should win that one.
2: Their guards are doing most of the scoring though. I mean, the uh, Allen had 19 points. He's a 6-4 guard and then Mitchell had 15. He's a guard. So even though they are Large up front, their scoring is basically is coming from the, from backcourt.
1: Next hour, we'll visit with Mike Carmen from the Lafayette Journal Courier, uh, get his thoughts on the Purdue Boilermakers, and we'll also have some fun with two out of three. And let me tell you, when we play two out of three today, the prize package has expanded. Not only includes opportunities for Esquire Bucks and some tailgate passes for Saturday morning, but also basketball tickets for Monday night. So, just another incentive to stick around into the second hour. And a reminder
2: about Friday night, get there early. Yeah, the ceremony will... you you can get there 15 minutes early at least, because that's um, when the ceremony is going to be.
1: Well, the tip-off will be 7.15 to 7.30, so get there 45 minutes early.
2: The tip-off? I am sorry.
1: (laughs) The tip-off is at 8 p.m. Yep. Your Honor, I ask that be stricken from the record. The (laughs) tip-off is at 8 p.m., but fans are encouraged to arrive early and be in their seats well ahead of tip-off
2: between 7.15 and 7.30. Oh, Oh, wow, that's 45 minutes early. That's what I meant to say. Okay, well, I didn't realize they wanted everybody that early. Yep. So come on out. I don't think a lot of people are going to be there that early, but I may be wrong.
1: Well, what else you got to do on a Friday Well,
2: that's right. (laughs) So that's some of what is
1: on tap for this big bonanza of Sports Talk today. Coach Q is coming up. We're going to get his thoughts on the Big Ten games of the weekend and when it as it pertains to football. And got some audio to bring you from Brad Underwood and Brett Bielma today as well. Stay with us here on Sports Talk. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just
0: perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
3: On well, the latest episode of Inside Atlanta Football, we break down the loss to Michigan State, discuss Chase Brown's season, and look at the... Big Ten West title chase.
1: Welcome back on Sports Talk. Hey, keep listening to WDWS for your chance to win tickets to WWE Road to WrestleMania. coming back to the State Farm Center on February 25th. But you can win tickets before you can buy them for WWE Road to WrestleMania at the State Farm. Just keep listening to us. Next week, we'll have you have some details for you. Time now for some Q&A with Coach Q. We provide the Q. He provides the A. It's Nick Quartaro, our friend of the program. And he also writes in the pages of the News Gazette, former Big Ten coach in a variety of spots and other places as well. Nick, hope you're doing well, and uh, it's nice and balmy out here. I don't know if it is your way. Uh, It's going to be cold. Well,
4: hi, Scott. Yeah, hi, Scott, Lauren. Uh, Good to be with you guys as always. Uh, Yeah, we're kind of like you. We're experiencing pretty decent weather here in the Northeast, but uh, this weekend will change quite a bit. So uh, we're going to be getting into November football just as expected, I think those sunshine weeks have pretty much passed us by by now.
1: And I think we're going to get some sunshine on Saturday, but not uh, <laughs> not the warmth that you would like to go not with it. Not the temperature. Yeah, and, exactly. And that's exactly. kind of my jumping-off point. We talk about it: uh, Big Ten football, bruising, running, physical. Uh, yet, uh, do do coaches you think actually think about November when they're assembling their roster?
4: I think they do, depending on your geographics. I've been with several programs that really prided themselves uh, on being able to handle the elements. Uh, the popular word today is "embrace it," and and what they preach is, uh, for instance, in this case with uh, with Brad Belama, "Hey, this is a weather. This is exactly what we want, you know." And you really pump your kids up to understand that we practice in it. We execute this stuff, uh, you know, Tuesday through Friday or whatever it might be. And come Saturday, if the elements are in play, so be it. It's just another day of uh, good work for us, and we know how to handle it.
1: Purdue is more balanced this year with running, even though you think about Purdue and the passing attack first. Uh, With colder weather, it's not going to be extreme cold, but it's going to be cold. Does that favor Illinois or anybody?
4: Well, I, w- I would think that if the wind uh, plays into it, I've been looking just like you guys have. There will be some wind for sure, which will make the wind chill a little bit tougher. Uh, these days, receivers got all kinds of high-tech gloves that should help them catch the ball, so I don't know that that will adversely affect uh, Purdue in their pass game. But still, when it comes down to it, uh, the team that can run it, the team that can defend the run – I really believe, especially in this game, and actually the last three here for the Illini, all three of those games will be determined by who handles the run best, offensively and defensively.
2: Well, Coach, uh, we had Brom here for a while as quarterback coach, and we have—he's uh, he, a guy that scares me when when he <laughs> prepares for a game because I know he's going to come up with a bunch of. Crazy plays that uh, you know because I, I think he feels like his backs to the wall and he needs to bring out everything he's got in this one
5: yeah
4: Lorne, I, uh, I think he's a great play caller uh, he when he was at uh, uh, his previous stop there, Louisville, and uh, his time prior to that, he was always known as a very creative, a guy that could dissect a defense. And look for just the most minute thing, a simple little matchup in one area that he could try to take advantage of. And as you know, too, you've seen him for a number of years now, he's willing to uh, roll the dice a bit, try a trick play or two, and you know, in games like this, you know, he comes in as just about a touchdown underdog, and you're really playing, uh, in their case, especially Purdue's case, a chance to hang in there in the Big Ten West title run. He's going to pull out all the stops. So I think that really requires Ryan Walters and the defensive staff, I'm sure they've been doing it all week, is to make sure their guys are extremely disciplined, extremely dedicated to doing just their job, but doing it really, really well and not try to do too much. Just do what the defense calls, Take care of your assignment, your responsibility, and execute it as best as you can, and you'll hold up about against just about everything.
2: Yeah, and expect the unexpected because it's coming. Uh, by the way, they just got one. I mean, they got one really good re- receiver, Jones, a transfer from from Iowa. Uh, do you see Witherspoon uh, pairing up against him, pretty much?
4: Yeah, I think so. And you know that was going to be a point that uh, I wanted to stress. I watched uh, several games of Purdue. And all I did when they had the ball on offense was to see where Charlie Jones was. Now, I don't know so much about uh, the very popular kids' book, Where's Waldo? <laughs> but I do know that going into this game, where's Jones is going to be critical because they truly align him at all four receiver positions. So stay with me on this. If they're in a two-by-two, two, right, two receivers each side, He could be either the slot guy or the outside receiver. If they're in three receivers to the field and one to the boundary, he could be at any one of those three spots to the field, or he could be the lone receiver to the boundary. So my point is, Jeff Brown, we just talked about him, super play caller, very intelligent guy offensively. He is going to ride that horse between Aiden O'Connell and obviously Charlie Jones. That's what has to be stopped. The other thing they got to keep in mind defensively for the Illini is the tight end's a very good player. Payne Durham, I think he's been underutilized for Purdue this year. He's a pro talent. He's a draftable guy. And yet, I don't know, I think because Jones is there and he's getting so much of the attention, the ball's going. But I guess... Uh, Sidney Brown would be the guy to man him up as a strong safety and let the uh, other corners and nickelbacks take care of the other receivers but that's going to be another point of interest to make sure that they're able to take care of uh, the tight end and and you guys mentioned that they're running the ball at least at a respectable amount uh Maccabee's a solid back he's young he's not a great back yet but he has potential uh but their old line their old line just kind of gets in your way they're not terribly physical, and I really think this is where the Illini have the biggest advantage. The physicality up front against the Purdue O line. I think they'll be able to pressure O'Connell. I don't know that Jeff Brown's gonna ask him to hold the ball very long. It'll be quick passes, little quick screen slants, things of this nature. And then if we uh I get up in the face of the receivers tight at the line, I do think O'Connell will throw, you know, a go or fade ball as we call it. To Jones trying to get a matchup there but you know I, I'm not Vegas but I do agree with the seven point or thereabout type advantage in terms of how they size this game up and uh, I think if the Illini big point of attention if they can solve some problems in the red zone scoring six instead of three and also take care of the ball take care of the ball take care of the ball value the football do not turn it over you're looking at a Purdue team that's uh, O'Connell's had five interceptions in the last two games. So the advantage in the big picture turnover-wise for the year, the Illini are very much on the plus side, and Purdue is minus four, I believe, for the season.
1: Purdue has Northwestern and Indiana after this. Illinois has Michigan and Northwestern. If Purdue wins, they would come into a tie with Illinois in the standings. Mm-hmm. Do you see this as essentially deciding the Big Ten West on Saturday?
4: Yeah, I do. I really do. Um, Because if Illinois can capture this game, they truly hold all the cards. They truly, you know, hold their own destiny in their hands. So I think this is it. And, you know, as much as we didn't like, uh, nobody did that follows the line. The results from last week. You know, it may not be a bad thing to get them to refocus and cure a couple of the ills that caused that loss last week. And I know uh, those kids in the locker room were, were very pained by that experience, and I'm sure they put together a good week. And they'll come out focused and ready to go. And what's really cool is all the older guys in the program are saying, we have a legitimate chance to play for something really, really special. And I think their focus and attention to detail will prove that out.
1: Well, Iowa and Wisconsin are right on the heels in this thing, at sitting at three and three. Now Illinois owns tiebreakers, uh, but they they're going to play each other, which is good for Illinois' s- uh, sake, but. They, 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 along with Minnesota. I mean, if any of them went out and Illinois stumbles too much, they would, we, they could also well, take it.
2: Iowa and Wisconsin is good and bad. <laughs> well, yeah, somebody's gonna win, somebody's <laughs> gonna lose, but yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it, it, that, that seems like a key
1: game, and it's kind of a toss-up too. I don't know how to how to uh, look at it because they both been playing better, Iowa especially.
4: Yes, I think it, uh obviously, we've got incredible uh attention and interest in in the Illini and Purdue. But this game, when you look across the rest of the Big Ten matchups, is as good as any of them, and in fact, better than the rest of them, for the reasons you just stated. Implications for who wins it. So the teams are playing, both of them are playing for bowl eligibility, and they're both playing to stay in the hunt in the Big Ten West. So it has a, a tremendous meaning. Um I think both teams have uh, shown more of what we thought they would be here in the last two weeks. The offenses in particular have picked up on, on both uh, the Badgers and the Hawkeyes. And, uh, you know, Wisconsin last two weeks beat Purdue up there a few weeks ago. And then they had a really nice wind in the windy days uh, up in Madison last week against Maryland, which was, a, I thought, a really good win. Iowa in the last two weeks uh, beat a struggling Northwestern team, and then, of course, really played super defense and did a good job offensively in beating the Boilermakers 24-3. So I think, you know, what we're going to see in this one is that in Vegas uh seems to believe this, the over-under is a mere 35 points. 35 points is all, total points between the two teams, over and under. So that tells you it's going to be a, a slugfest Uh one uh, up front, certainly. Iowa proved last week, I don't know if you guys saw it or read or you know heard things, they probably played more man-to-man defensive coverage against Purdue's receivers than they have anybody all year. Hmm. So what that means to me is if they can do that against Purdue, they certainly can do it against Wisconsin. And if you're able to play tough man coverage against Wisconsin, That way, you can dedicate another guy to stopping the run, which you have to do to slow down Braylon Allen. So to me, if I'm in Phil Parker's mind a little bit and game planning, I'm trying to make uh, Mertz beat me. Don't let Braylon Allen beat me, but make Mertz be really, really good with probably, uh, for Big Ten's sake, just an, an average to solid group of receivers Make Mertz and those guys beat me as opposed to uh, bending too much in the front against Braylon Allen and that offensive line.
2: I want to take you back uh, to last Saturday because we haven't talked much about Illinois' loss with you. What's, what was your take on that game?
4: Well, I, I agree with everything that I've heard and read out of champagne uh, You guys did a great job digging into it, getting uh, the players and coaches to speak about that game. And they were all very honest and said things that I'm going to say now. They were self-inflicted wounds. I give Michigan State and Mel Tucker so much credit for bringing a team in there extremely uh, emotionally ready to play uh, despite a very difficult week. And then they went out and played good football. Um, you know, it's just hard to believe that even your best player Chase Brown at times, you know, had a, had a bad play, had a fumble or so, or something like that, and the inability to cash in on fourth downs and red zone opportunities, uh, those all played out to be huge factors. So, like I was saying a little bit earlier, when they go back to work or went back to work this past Sunday and then got on the field on Tuesday, it was all about coaches also, coaches and players, getting things corrected, refocusing on the opponent, adjusting as needed. They won't change a bunch, but adjusting a few things as needed geared to Purdue and then going out there and knowing that, hey, we learned our lesson last week with Michigan State, a team we could have beat, maybe should have beaten, but by the same token, it really was. Once you saw the game, it was no wonder how Michigan State won because that day they played better and didn't beat themselves.
1: And Jeff Brom said this week about Illinois that the the defensive scheme they've been playing they've been playing since last year's game at Purdue. He called it a five-one, and he said that's pretty much all Illinois is. And we've heard other coaches say that as well. So all that to to your point, you know, as we enter November, the old adage is you are what you are. Uh, you just got to go out and do it. Is is there time yeah. for for reinvention at all?
4: No, I don't think so. And what? Uh, and when Coach Brown was talking about that, he's assuming that he's using a, a true spread set with uh, uh, four, you know, uh, spread out receivers, and therefore five guys in the front with lo- one linebacker for the Illini, which makes it extremely difficult to run against. Uh, certainly, you don't have to worry about. Uh, Aiden O'Connell running the ball so their ability, some people would have the ability to run a little quarterback run game and use the running back as a blocker but that's not what Purdue does, that's not who they are so therefore it comes down to matchups and I don't know uh, anybody who would bet against the Illini secondary against the Purdue receivers right now and I don't know anybody who would bet against the Illini front getting pressure, hands up at least making uh Uh, a tough day for O'Connell back there in the pocket, even if he is trying to throw quickly, I don't know who wouldn't bet on the Alane up front. I think that's where the advantage lies, both offensively with uh, Coach Bielema's offensive line, and of course up front with that defensive front.
1: And that uh, also today, Illinois, uh, Brett Bielema saying Taz Nicholson will be available on Saturday, so that helps too there in that secondary.
2: Did did you get the idea that's definite from the way he said it, yes. yeah I mean, I kind of did too, but I and he didn't even mention Jennings at all. no, he didn't say anything about and, him, and that and he did mention Coleman as a game time decision, and uh, so
1: was Josh McRae on the yeah, on well, the running Josh, side, but yeah, yeah, well, we
2: haven't seen enough of Josh McRae this worried to even worry about him anymore, but I mean, love has taken over that number two running back mm-hmm. spot, I think, mm-hmm. but the, if you don't have Coleman. That would make a difference because he's a he. You know, then you go down to your your basically your fourth defensive end because we've already lost one Holmes.
1: Yep, Nick, the other one. I
4: think. uh, No, excuse me. I was just going to say if Coleman's out, that'll hurt certainly a little bit. I really, if he's healthy, he versus the Purdue left offensive tackle uh, certainly favors the Illini in that particular one-on-one matchup. If he's out. Obviously, that becomes probably a, a stalemate at best, a toss-up. But uh, we'll, we'll all be anxious to see if Coleman's out there on the field because he's a playmaker for sure.
1: Nick, one other game uh, of note is Minnesota-Northwestern because, uh, A, it's relevant to the division race with Minnesota in that in it at 3-3, three and three, and then, of course, Illinois will play Northwestern later. So what's your uh, snapshot thought on that one?
4: Right. Well, you know, the Gophers are a pretty heavy favorite, almost 18 points. Uh, They've got a lot of motivation, as you just said, because of their uh, being alive, uh, certainly uh, in the Big Ten West, if they keep doing what they're doing. And obviously they're squeezing for Purdue to help out. Uh, They've played better football here. They have been very consistent defensively. They've been a little roller coaster on offense, but Minnesota's been super strong defensively, and that's a problem for Northwestern because they have struggled moving the ball. They seem to have gone with the uh, young quarterback, Brendan Sullivan, uh, a nice little athlete, kind of a dual threat guy. Uh, actually, I thought when I watched it back, uh, played pretty well last week against Ohio State, but uh, they are not able to consistently move the football. Uh, and put up enough points. I think they're only – they're last in the Big Ten and scoring only 16 points a game or something. So uh, I know Coach Fitz, as I watched his press conference and read different things from him, it's as simple as this. And when you've lost eight in a row, you know, it's not terribly complicated. He said, we've just got to play a cleaner game. What's that mean? Penalties, don't hurt yourself, turnovers, no mental mistakes, those things. He said execution of fundamentals is what we're trying to get better at each week. So it's interesting. He's kind of taken this as a hopefully improved week by week. And if they can show some of those things, maybe they can hang around with Minnesota. But uh, I just see Minnesota being so physical up front, Uh, Mo Ibrahim being such a good back that no one has slowed him down. I mean, in the last, whatever it is, 15, 16 games, he gets his yardage. And uh, unless there's some freaky special teams or turnovers that give Northwestern some uh, short fields or points, I think Minnesota's in pretty good shape here.
2: I just want to throw one thing in because we kind of skip over what uh, DeVito's done this year. He's been um, throwing—I mean, O'Connell's thrown for about 300 yards a game, and he's thrown for about 200. It's a different approach that he's using, mixing the run in with the short passes. But the guy has played nine games— He's had two interceptions and he's completing 72%. And I will tell you that both of those would be records for an Illinois quarterback, 72% completions and two interceptions. That's unbelievable.
4: Yeah, it really is. Well, the Nebraska game really bumped his numbers up there. What was it? Uh, two incompletions out of, I forget. How 20 much, out of 22. Bunch of passes. There yeah. you go. There you go. And, uh, But, yes, uh, your point's well taken, uh, Lauren, in that what he's being asked to do is not like dropping back uh, in a West Coast offense and having to read three, four guys and go through the super long, detailed progression. Things are relatively simple by design. There's nothing wrong with that. It gives you a chance to be efficient. You don't have to think so much, you know, swing a bubble screen out there to – Uh, Isaiah out there in the slot, Uh, get the ball to your tight end off of those naked bootlegs and dump it out in the flat and let those guys run. Uh, When the coverage is soft, meaning cushion-type coverage, just throw uh, short to intermediate uh, little hitches or curls, as we call them. Uh, But, yeah, Tommy DeVito's done exactly what he's been asked to do. He's done exceptionally well. He's kept the ball out of harm's way and he's managed the game well. So if you ask me what's a quarterback supposed to do, those are the things he's supposed to do.
1: Especially at the collegiate level, especially. There you go. Yep. All right, Coach, uh, always good to have our segment with you, and uh, we'll do it again next week. A big weekend here, a lot of stakes for a lot of teams, so enjoy
4: it. Yeah, Yeah. looking forward to it. This is uh this is why we're fans, this is why guys play and coach, and that's why people go to the stadium to be in games like this. So everybody have fun with this one. Great to be with you guys.
1: Likewise. Thanks so much. Coach Nick Quartaro. Illinois is a favorite by about uh, six and a half. Iowa a favorite. Uh, Skari, Wisconsin a favorite on the road by about a one and a half. I'm not so sure about that one.
2: Yeah, it's just a toss-up game. Nobody knows how that one's going to turn out. It's going to be a a line struggle.
1: Ohio State is favored by 40 (laughs) over Indiana. That's a lot. (laughs) I I might take it just because that's hard to do.
2: What do you think Ohio State would be favored against Illinois? Or let's just put it different. What do you think Michigan will be uh, over Illinois next week? Ten, no, nah, ten. It'll be more than that. You think? Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, I was trying to be generous.
2: <laughs> maybe, well, maybe
1: ten if it was here.
2: Well, who's the best, Michigan or Ohio State? Let me put that to you. Neutral field. Be Ohio careful, State. Ohio State. I'm, I, I would have said Ohio State, but I but I've noticed that they don't run the ball too well. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that, that Michigan's uh, P- I noticed that Penn State led them in the fourth quarter two weeks ago, and I noticed that Saturday, Northwestern hung right with them it was fourteen to seven midway in the fourth quarter, and Northwestern's marching to tie the game.
1: I think Ohio State they didn't get there. I think Ohio State and Michigan ought to play every year. That's just my
2: thought. <laughs> How about the last game of the year? Right?
1: <laughs> Back in a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS.
5: Lani Volleyball is on the road this week in the state of Michigan. They'll take on Michigan State Friday night at 6. All the play-by-play action right here on DWS Friday night.
1: This is Thursday. Tomorrow is Friday with volleyball and basketball. Saturday, football and volleyball. Sunday, women's hoops. They're off to 1-0 start, by the way. Looked, I, I, I get the, the the competition was not the level of the Big Ten. No, it was a good start, though. They doubled them up. Yeah. Just about 75-40. Maybe getting and, better guard play, you think? I think so. The addition of a good
2: She's a good front-line player and a good rebounder. I mean, She had the Big Ten in rebounding last year, and now she's scoring double figures. She's going to be a double-double all year, isn't she? Could well be.
1: We will see. The competition will ratchet up for them when they get into Big Ten play. Tomorrow night, as we mentioned at the outset, Illinois men's basketball against Kansas City, but there's a ring ceremony and a banner raising before that.
5: Did you get a lot of the emotions nickname, when you raise a banner uh, saying you're a you're a Big Ten champion? Um, those stay up there for as long as they keep them up, I guess, or as long as the building's up, and, and, and maybe forever. Um, and uh, and then you get a ring, and in in the sport of basketball, we play for those and that's the ultimate uh, sign of success. Uh, I think it's uh, it's really exciting to me to know that Trent Frazier got on a plane and flew 13 hours uh, so he could be here for this. Um, DeMonte Williams will be here for this. Uh, Kofi stayed so he could be here for this. Uh, we've got reports. Alfonso Plummer's coming back. Um, he's been in, <clears throat> in Mexico with the G League team. Um, and um, every indication is he'll be here. And when guys interrupt everything they're doing to become part of something uh, that's really special, um, and I think it's, that speaks volumes to their their level of, of uh, investment in Illinois basketball. And um, I, I, I love those guys. I'm I'm excited for them to have to have their night. Uh, so we'll do that. Uh, I hope all the fans come out early you know I hope they're here to celebrate that moment uh, as we celebrated the moment when we when we want it on the court and I hope there's everybody here to uh, to remember that um, that day that night and uh, celebrate it one last time for that group and and for them to come back um, I hope that uh, all of our fans are here to, to show them the love that they deserve because there's 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 a lot of a lot of investment uh, from Devonte from 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 Trent all those guys uh, to making that happen and, and those two in particular uh, were here when it was when it was rocky you know when it was getting started so he,
1: um, he almost gets choked up sometimes when he talks about Trent Frazier and Devontae Williams.
2: They meant a lot to him they came back for that fifth year it was important.
1: I never, I will not forget Trent Frazier's uh, adamant stance that he was committed to staying in Illinois when Brad Underwood got hired because John Gross was his guy. John That's Gross right. was the one that recorded he was recruited
2: him. by Gross, wasn't he?
1: And, and then for him to stay through all of it at times when everybody was bailing. So, but I think Underwood knew well, that he could build with him.
2: Well, the people who bailed, Got a little push. <laughs> I don't think that Underwood lost anybody that he really wanted to keep. There was a lot of stress when a lot of that roster was
1: turning over, and uh, I'll never forget a a not somebody who not somebody in the media, just a friend that just said, "Were you winning with those guys?" <laughs> I said they weren't really winning. He goes, "What's everyone so upset about?" <laughs> now that's a little too simplistic and. And, and and not to be mean to to the players that left, but well, at, Brad Underwood needed his guys.
2: I will tell you one thing about this uh, team this year that I hadn't thought about, uh, because a member of my family said they watched the first game on TV, and they had a hard time recognizing everybody. They hadn't. They didn't know who everybody was. There, there's so many new guys. You know, after all these years of watching Fray, you knew if Fraser had the ball, you knew it was him. If, if well, Bio you still had can recognize Trent Frazier out there. You, you always recognize Kofi, right? And you'd re- you, and, and this team mm-hmm. has got four new freshmen and two transfers that a lot of people have never seen.
1: Well, I joke that you can still see Trent Fraser out there because sincere Harris well, wears that's, number that's one and point, he's got yeah. the headband and the hair of the similar yeah, he way. He does look like him, right? But no, yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a lot of new faces.
2: He did something the other day. Nobody noticed, I don't think. But he's left-handed, and he made two baskets on runners right-handed. I don't mean those; there were not layups. Those were like five, six, seven, eight-foot shots, moving shots that he shot right-handed and made.
1: Yeah, he this he could be kind of a surprise guy. He could he could. We're one game in. He could got, be kind of that key spark guy off an the bench. Awful lot
2: of athleticism. Yeah. He can leap.
1: But the guy that didn't even play all that well that impressed me, Ty Rogers.
2: Oh, I thought he played well. I, I, I,
1: I think they think there's a lot more coming from him.
2: Well, you're going to get a lot more of the same. You're not going to get a lot of scoring. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that. Yep. But he's going to be a, a, a vital guy on that team for four years. I think.
1: The other thing that Brad Underwood said he has shown his team multiple times now was a Terrence Shannon. Uh, he ended up on his he ended up on the floor somehow, and then sprinted the other way and and got a block or an mm-hmm. offensive. He blocked and fell down and then mm-hmm. sprinted the other way and got a key offensive rebound and Who tipped it. Yeah, uh, the, the whole thing. So Underwood said that's been displayed to the team a few times now, as well as I think. Numerous Trent Frazier plays (laughs) that they're all tired of. (laughs) They're getting tired, right. (laughs) Well, Trent Frazier's getting a banner in a ring tomorrow. All right, we'll be right back in a moment. We'll transition to the next hour. Mike Carmen will help us understand the Purdue football team a little bit more next hour. We're also going to play two out of three. I've got tickets to an upcoming basketball game. You're
5: listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Friday night, the Illinois men's basketball team take on the Kangaroos of Missouri-Kansas City. Coming up on Friday night at 8 o'clock, our game day coverage at 6 from State Farm Center on DWS.
1: Lauren, we learned a little bit more, too, about uh, Brett Bielma's thoughts on extending his offensive coordinator, Barry Lunney Jr., and what may be coming down the pipe as well for Ryan Walters.
3: It really started when I was hired with Josh, um, you know, we had a, a base pool that started with my original staff and talked about where it was, but, you know, uh, if a, someone, like if you have a good coach, Coach Fry always used to say, right, if you have a good coach, you can't keep him long enough. If you have a bad coach, can't get rid of him quick enough, right? And, and once we had a situation where last year uh, you realized what we were doing defensively, Josh came to me about uh, the extension for Ryan, and that set the precedent for where we are this year. Um, going into bye week one, we sat down and talked about, our two coordinators, it's always, to me, it starts with the coordinators and then it permeates down. So we began discussions uh, with Barry and uh, Ryan. Barry's uh, obviously was agreed to and talked to. Uh, uh, we're still working with Ryan. Uh, Ryan is uh, obviously a very accomplished coach, and uh, um, I think he knows and understands how much we love him and what he's done. It's just there's a lot of irons in the fire with that one that we got to continue to work forward. Uh, our strength staff, uh, our, our assistant coaches, uh, anything I can do to keep the good ones around us, we got to be able to do it.
1: Well, he said, Ryan Walters, there's a few extra irons in the fire there. Well, what maybe so. Be? And, you know,
2: he's going to have to find out uh, whether he has any good offers when the season's over. But uh, he's going to get a bonus, you know. There's no doubt about that. When you're number one in, in the country and points allowed, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's setting, Illinois setting all kinds of records so far if they can just finish the season this way.
1: They got a, a decent shot at it. Win two more, and they are headed to Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game. Sir, we'll hear you tomorrow night, courtside, State Farm Center, at 6 o'clock for pregame coverage. Hour 2 is coming up, WDWS (laughs) Champaign-Urbana.